price. Ah, the French. For what reason? What is the charge? Eating a meal? A succulent Chinese meal? I'm here, Papa. Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. First listen to the animal man, the Snoopy Snoopy poop dog. My wife hated me being a firefighter. We were divorced nine months later. If you don't mind my saying, I don't like your attitude one bit. Inspired. Six times I've now ruined my whiskey. I'm going to in Mont Smaug in the Cloud District, high above Smogville, this is World Champion Podcast Season 3, Episode 12, Part 2. My name is Brighton. And I'm Sean. We are two gentlemen who signed a lucrative contract with the mysterious Senor Oro Del Burrow. Now we have the pleasure of recording the greatest podcast in the world where we talk about whatever we feel like. And this month, we talk about Star Wars, Star Wars Month Part 3. Our annual tradition continues. So this is Star Wars Month month part three episode i i is that right yes the I. expanded universe <laughs> okay what, what is i i two Ro- the roman numerals like oh you know star wars episode iv a new hope i thought we were getting up to the like how the super bowl now has got l i v t like it's getting crazy now. well this is actually what are like 86 82nd point five ish yeah so that's like l L X X X I I. Yeah. If that if L is fifty, which it might be, could be, might not be. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. So last week we talked about Star Wars episode V I I I, The Last Jedi. Right. And we teased that we were going to discuss the expanded universe. If you don't know what the expanded universe is, look, people these days don't realize that there was a. Star Wars sort of blackout period. A dark time. Maybe Return of the Jedi came out in 1983. Got a couple of years of like cartoon series and Ewok adventures. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there was a Marvel comic around that time. Then it just disappeared. The kids, yeah. they, wanted, they wanted Ninja Turtles. They wanted Michael Jordan. They wanted skateboards. <laughs> they wanted Calabunga. Calabunga, absolutely. Simpson. California Raisins, Eat My Shorts. Right. No one cared about Star Wars. Until about 1992, which is not a very long time when you think about it. It's an eternity in a childhood, though. Yeah, and just in terms of pop culture, what now that Star Wars is literally the most popular thing that's ever existed, Mm -hmm. to think that there was that period where you kind of got made fun of for liking Star Wars. There were no toys on the shelves. Right. There was no supplementary material. Then Timothy Zahn comes out with this trilogy in, uh, yeah, 92, 93, 94, around then. And I, I remember it being a pretty big deal. Like, wow, there's going to be Star Wars books. Right. I got the first book. Oh, I did too. I got it the day it came out. Right. And I, and uh, I was, I've, I don't know if I've said this before. I was in the Star Wars fan club. Oh. I paid dues. I had a little membership card in high school. <laughs> awesome. And it was, it was a dark time because they would release these magazines. If you're in the fan club, I think they were quarterly or maybe yeah. three times a year. And it would be interviews with, with people that were literally the guys in the background. It would be robot number two. Yeah, I got one, and it was an interview with Greedo's stunt double. Right. Like how desperate people were for Star Wars, that uh, of the people that were into Star Wars. Yeah, was it called the Star Wars Insider? Yes. And then there was something called the Jawa Trader. That was a catalog that you could buy, like hard to get toys or something yeah like your vintage kenner toys yeah. or like die cast things because mm-hmm, yeah. they would send me that as well i just wanted yeah. to, to show my my street cred right oh like, absolutely my 1992 yeah. street cred and so that just preceded this wave of video games books comic books who knows what else mm-hmm. toys uh power of the force toys came around around 95 when they were when they were way buff right right i have all the buff figures uh, luke when he's as He's, he's, he's swole, man. He's, yeah, he's swole. You, you don't want to talk about Ben Swallow. He ain't got nothing on, on Power of the Force Luke figure. Luke Swole Walker. His chest is bursting out of his little tunic. No, he looks like the Macho Man Randy Savage, <laughs> but with a, with a weird Luke head. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's, was... that's how I like I like my Supreme Leader's swole, and I like my, my Last Jedi's swole. I, I would like every character if they had the physique of, of peak Arnold Schwarzenegger. 
Conan the Barbarian, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I want every character looking. Even Leia. I want her like that as well. Like yeah, Red, she was. She could be she like was, Red Sonia. No, she her her figure was was brawny. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, like let's get the Battle Toads like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> the Ninja Turtles. It's hard to tell because is that a, a shell or a six pack? Yeah, who knows how they? You'd have to kill them, I guess, to see what their six pack was like. Just disembowel them or, or whatever it's called when you take a turtle out of a shell. <laughs> That's yeah, uh, no, that's a dark thought. inhumane, a dark thought for the dark time, and then that ended with the the answer to all our prayers. Uh, what the hell was that movie called? The first prequel, Phantom Menace. The Phantom Menace. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so Disney bought Star Wars a few years ago and declared that the expanded universe stuff uh, would would no longer count. And I'm doing air quotes because it's all made up, right? And and they're like, okay, we're starting over from scratch. Now, every book and comic from this point on is official. Like, this is what happened. I can see it being jolt, like jolting. Can you imagine if a new pope, pope came in and he was like, all right, we're not using this Bible anymore. <laughs> we got a new Bible. We got some new revelations we're going to start writing down. Yeah, like the, the book of Matthew <laughs> is, uh, is just in the legends category. Yeah, so it's... I guess that this upset some people. I sort of tried to look at it like the reboot of the Star Trek movies, which I hate, but the idea that it's an alternate dimension. Well, so I, I completely understand that people are upset by it, but I, I'm not there with them because I, I decide what's real and what's not. Have you looked at the, this canon? I know we all have our own continuities. We learned yeah. this reading comics. You've got yeah. to just get your own continuity on what you consider part of of the history of these characters and just be defiant like if you think that joris kabouth mm-hmm. is not star wars legends but is star wars canon just go for it yeah. just stand strong in the face well, of we're this. gonna we're gonna talk about some stuff tonight that is definitely canon to me regardless of what disney tries the man tries to tell me uh is disney a world champion yeah no is everything it? we say about star wars is canon yeah they, are they called world champion disney no, no. We, but podcast wise we are world champion podcast so we call the shots on on star wars canon and just do you have you looked at the list of canon uh yeah but it doesn't really mean much to me because there's a lot of stuff i don't quite understand i know the current marvel comics are canon since are, those are also owned by disney okay are, there's going to be some things we're going to cover this month likely Mm-hmm. It, are the Ewok movies canon? Um, I saw... A th- <laughs> I, I didn't watch it, but there was an interview with Ryan Johnson I saw online today. Okay. And one of the comments said, wow, this confirms that Wilford Brimley is canon. Oh, wow. So, oh, good. so I'll have to okay. watch that. So yes, so yes, the Ewok movies are canon. I would be outraged if that wasn't canon. What about the holiday special? Well, I mean, it was, wasn't it produced by Lucasfilm? It was. So I don't know how you can say it's not canon if it was and produced it, by and Lucasfilm. And it literally has Harrison Ford and Mark mm-hmm. Hamill and all those guys are canon. And Jefferson Starship. And Jefferson Starship. So that's canon as well. Yeah. Um, okay, good, good to hear. I'm going to ask you a question. Is, is Neil Young canon? Um, I would say, I'm just going to say yes, even though I don't know what context that question is asked in. Here's an article from Rolling Stone mentions uh, his concert on September 27th, 1978. So this is from 1978. It's called Getting Into Neil Young's Bizarre Act. (laughs) The elusive artist's latest tour with Crazy Horse is a rock and roll show on a grand scale. Young has always denounced the impersonal feel of big halls. So as a partial solution, he's changed the scale for this tour. The set is a huge bandstand complete with oversized amps man-sized glass of water, four-foot harmonica, and a towering microphone. (laughs) The house lights dim, and we hear Jimi Hendrix's Woodstock version of Star Spangled Banner over the sound system. Then the Beatles, a day in the life. Suddenly, Neil Young bolts up from atop one of the massive amps where he has been sleeping. Picking up a guitar and singing by way of a wireless mic, he wanders childlike around the surreal bandstand, playing acoustic songs spanning his entire career. Wow. He crawls back into a sleeping bag, and the (laughs) road eyes, as he calls them, prepare for an electric set with Crazy Horse. The road eyes are a bunch of hooded figures who swarm the stage, setting up all these weird props. (laughs) They're wearing... Like like a little Stonehenge, maybe? They are... um, I'm going to find a picture of them to show you. They're wearing brown cloaks. Their faces obscured in darkness. Okay. With eerie, glowing eyes. I think I know where you're going with this. Yes. uh, The road eyes are Jawas. 
Wow, they straight up are Jawas. Yeah, um, I I didn't dig into it further. I just saw like a little anecdote that said it was the subject of a one of <laughs> one of the more bizarre copyright infringement suits, and they settled out of court. But yes, they were straight up Jawas. The reason I found this is because I I read a short story about a Jawa, mm-hmm. and then I wondered what do Jawas look like under the cloaks, and then I wondered can I get a good Jawa costume for next Halloween. That would be a pretty good costume. Are Jawas only native to Tatooine? Yes. So that means that Neil Young went to Tatooine? or because Are they capable of space travel? They don't seem like they would have a, a ship that would leave the planet. No, I mean, they just scavenge around on the planet. Yeah. But Neil Young, he's been to... Where's he been? I've been to Hollywood. I've been to Randwood. I am a sand crawler on Tatooine. That's like true. when when you remember that line, it's like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I was sort of wondering what he meant by that, but yeah. he, he does spell it out in the song. That's interesting. Yeah. Then I would say yes, definitely Neil Young is in the Star Wars universe. He's canon. So are Crosby Stills and Nash also canon? Yes, by extension. Yeah. Obviously. Uh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> They're they're hanging out in Mos Eisley. Oh yeah, Crosby definitely. Yeah, definitely. He's got a, a little bit of a drug problem. Where do you think you buy drugs on Tatooine? Yeah, you go to Mos Eisley. You go to Mos Eisley, and you hang around a cantina or or one of the the Bay Bay Forty Two or whatever it is, <laughs> where where Java personally is slithering around. That Kenner action figure called uh, Mustache Man. Right. Looking back, that was probably David Crosby. <laughs> Definitely. So he's more like the the Rancor, like pit monster owner guy toy. I see that more as the Rancor keeper. Yeah, the Rancor keeper, maybe. Oh, uh, not tonight, but we should talk about the best of the original Kenner toys. Okay. At some point. Sure. Because <laughs> the Rancor keeper, the fat shirtless guy. Yeah. He's got to be up there. It, yeah, it's a cool toy. All right. Well, what, what's first on the on our our list of of what is or isn't canon? We'll decide by the end of each discussion whether it's canon or not so so neil young and crosby stills and nash are canon canon stamp it boom so you've got a shadows of the empire novel in front of you right okay and and this you're talking about the end of the dark time this was kind of the beginning of of the the hype getting into the, to the power of the force figures in kind of the mid to late 90s and the rumors that george lucas the genius that could do no wrong was going to start up what would be his masterpiece and we all agree on that phantom menace so I read this book, Shadows of the Empire came out. It was in conjunction with a Nintendo 64 game. It was one of the first Nintendo 64 games, and I played the hell out of it. I did too. It's I awesome. loved it. I loved battling IG-88 and the junk. That level was great. He was a hard bounty hunter to kill. But I, I read this book over Christmas just to kind of get back into it, into the expanded universe and expand my horizons. And... It's it's all right. <laughs> it's kind of a bad book. Oh no! It's it's got a lot of. Uh, do you know the term? Uh, I guess Gary Sue or Gary Stew. I think it's called. Oh, Gary Stew or Mary Sue. Yeah, Mary Sue yeah. and Gary Stew. So so Prince Shizor is this prince, and he's just perfect, good at everything, super strong. No woman can resist him. It's a it's kind of a a character in a novel that's a wish fulfillment character that's ridiculous. It's perfect at everything, the smartest person, a genius, good at everything they try. Yeah. Every woman wants to sleep with them. And so a lot <laughs> of this book has it which which is strange because he's the bad guy. Describe Prince Shizor if anyone uh, that doesn't Shizor, know. <laughs> if anyone knows what Tasselhoff Burfoot from Dragonlance looks like, he has a top knot. So he's a lizard man kind of. He looks he looks basically like a human that's bald. He has green skin, and then he has he has some hair, but it's all in just a ponytail on the top of his head. Yeah. And then he has long fingernails and wears kind of a a dress sort of outfit. It's I don't know how you describe it. Almost like a trench coat dress. Yeah, with really <laughs> wide pointy shoulders, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. Um. And so it's interesting that they, they focus so much on Prince Shizor because he's the bad guy and, and they introduce a new Han Solo type guy who, to a lesser extent, is also a Gary Stew. And his name yeah. is Dash Rendar. Yeah. And, and for most of the book, he's just kind of a dick. <laughs> and then he gets humbled a little bit. Then towards the end, it becomes kind of a better character. Because he's the character you play in the game. Right. Yeah. So this is, a, this is an, a, a section of the book I really enjoyed and got me really thinking. And it's 
Prince Shizor, th- this book takes place between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Prince Shizor is kind of gunning for Darth Vader's number two spot in the Empire. <laughs> so he, he is ri- he's a rival with Darth Vader, and the whole book he's trying to, to get in, in good with the, the Emperor. And there's one scene where Shizor goes to the Emperor's palace on Corsican or whatever it's called. Coruscant. Coruscant. And he's, he notices how wonderful the Emperor's gardens are. <laughs> As he's in like the yeah. waiting room. There's just one, the most lush gardens. And Prince Shizor, since he, oh, he's also the richest guy in the universe, amongst everything else being perfect. <laughs> yeah. So he wants the best horticulturalist for his palace. And later in the book, the Emperor finds out and this is the passage i just love this (laughs) the emperor's ravaged face revealed nothing but shizar was certain his comment had come as a surprise i really must see about hiring your spies away from you the emperor said especially after you stole my best horticulturalist a pity the man had a that fatal lift accident before he could start working for you oh no yes a pity shizar replied if ever there was a poor loser, it was the emperor. So, <laughs> so this is incredible to think about. The emperor is so petty that he would kill the best horticulturist on, on the planet in order for him to not work for Prince Shizor. Yeah, just so Prince Shizor's guard would be second rate. <laughs> and and it, gets, it gets you thinking, doesn't the emperor have something better to do? <laughs> like how, I understand you have a spy network, but what is it, is like, Chicken nuggets are going to be on the menu next week. Your yeah. Highness, you know, what is getting to him? Literally everything. This is shortly after the Death Star was destroyed. So he's got some big problems. They're rebuilding the Death Star. Yeah. Uh, like as we speak. After 20 years of, of complacency of ruling the galaxy. And he, instead of, <laughs> instead of making sure, like you, you, you'd think he'd be so overworked. He wouldn't have time to, to be tweeting and. And and worrying about what's on the, the lunch menu and who if his gardener is moonlighting for for another evil wizard. <laughs> so, so he had a lift accident. A lift so, accident. So ride sharing is canon. Is Uber canon or just Lyft? I never thought of it that way. I thought more like a elevator, but yeah, it probably was a. a it was lift. probably a lift because it's it's sci-fi, so everything's like, spelled weird. It's like a flying lift. Yeah. But I mean, couldn't the emperor just call in this lowly gardener and just say? You work only for me. You know, <laughs> did he have to kill him? And did he have to kill him in an accident? That's the other thing I thought was strange. Because Darth Vader straight up strangles members of the military to death. High-ranking members of the military. Yeah. Like, he doesn't make it look like an accident. He <laughs> chokes people out to death. Does, does the Emperor have to make something look like an accident? He is the Emperor. He is the unquestioned ruler right. for life. He could just make, I mean, he could kill him publicly. Yeah. And no one's going to care. Or he could just fabricate charges that he's part of the Rebel Alliance right. and a spy. All That's all I'd have to say is he's a spy. Yeah. So I, I thought that was kind of an interesting thing for the, the Emperor to do. Um, speaking of Prince Shizor, uh, we were talking about droids last week and how you were kind of confused by the droids and, and following Asimov's, Asimov's yeah. Laws of Robotics. Yeah. Three laws of robotics. Yeah, so here, here's a Wikipedia article. The droids, the blasted feral droids. <laughs> Prince Gizor, enraged at the slaughter of his scientists and technicians in his secret lab. The, yeah. the feral droids were droids that, according to legend, would kill sentient beings. The legend would be proven true by Jax Pavan and his band of friends. The deranged machines resided in and near a droid factory in the factory district... <laughs> an abandoned district in Coruscant that had fallen into disrepair after industry moved to other planets. That means the entire planet's a city and there's no factories there on the whole planet. Seems like you'd have a plenty of space. How big are these planets? Is this like the little prince where you can walk around the whole planet? There's one flower on the planet. Yeah, maybe know? it is. Because, I mean, you hear planet. It's got to be smaller than the moon. Yeah, if the whole thing is covered in city and they were like, ah, we don't need factories anymore. Yeah, it just... I've always had a problem with, with, with the Death Star, not because, and Coruscant and stuff, not because of, of I don't know, the idea of building it, but more the just materials. Where are they getting that much metal? Not on Coruscant. Right. And then if your entire planet is a city, that is so much metal. 
Yeah. You would need a planet's worth of metal for another planet. Like, you would have to destroy an, the, the most astronomical, no pun intended, <laughs> sized thing yeah. to, to get that much iron and steel or, or whatever it yeah, is. And making all the droids and, and there's cars, there's flying cars, there's ships. Right. Wow. Unless unless the Death Star is just 3D printed somehow out of something else. <laughs> and may, there must be a, a Jupiter-sized planet somewhere that's just made out of metal. And day and night, they have mining things going. And it, and the metal regenerates also. Right. <laughs> it's sustainable metal. Could be. Maybe it's the future. I know it's the past, huh? Yeah. But I mean the past and the future. Time is a flat circle. so it, it, That's it, true, yeah. It could be very futuristic in, in the distant past. So maybe it is. Maybe it's sustainable metal or... <laughs> yes, it's just, a, I mean, ore forms somehow. Right. I don't know how, but somehow metal is made. So maybe there's some planet that's like next to a black hole. And so time is different and the metal regenerates faster than over the course of millions of years. Right. That's, yeah, sure. Canon. Right. Stamp it. So have, so have we decided then that, that robots are sentient? So the feral droids, they're mostly uh, construction and wrecking droids. Um. Feral droids could look like anything because that term described any droid in the factory district that would kill a sentient being. Um, But there's a lot of BXL-99 labor droids, and I think we see these in the Shadows of the Empire game. They're kind of... They don't really look like Star Wars-y droids. They look... uh, They look off-brand. Like like for Christmas when uh, you get action figures that came from the grocery store. Yeah, I mean, yeah, when you want a Transformers and your grandma gets you some, like, Robos... Yeah, Robo, or uh, what's the G.I. Joe one? But the core. The core. <laughs> yeah. Um, so droids that became feral would attack any sentient being and output random binary. They appeared to destroy random machinery, including Zizor's lab. Mm-hmm. They would rip them apart. They beheaded Zizor's scientists. That is a bummer, man. He's had, he had a rough go of it with his garden and his secret lab. Well, he also has... A problem with the empire because his whole family, extended family, was killed by a, a an empire like biological weapon facility on his planet, and it was such a dangerous bio virus that the empire was making that they when they it started spreading they just nuked the planet. Oh no! And Shizor happened to be like flying around in his space casino or something, doing some <laughs> rich guy stuff, getting laid like crazy. Wasn't that it? He had a space casino. He has a he to has, rival he the huts. He has the the nicest restaurant in in the galaxy. Oh, where they serve something. It's sort of like a blowfish type thing. <laughs> where if it's you know if it's made wrong, then you'll die. And there's only one guy in the universe that can do it. And it's the most expensive food in the universe. And in the book, Shizor will just throw it away. He doesn't even feel like eating it. What if uh, <laughs> what if Palpatine decides to kill that cook? Yeah, I know. He he better not find out about this cook. Or there'll be an unfortunate lift accident. <laughs> um, yeah, so the feral droids, let's see. Theories on behavior. The most popular theory on the droids' behavior was a worm or virus that had transformed their core programming and turned them into slaughtering monsters. The sentient droid I-5YQ theorized that extended exposure to the radiation of Zizor's lab's reactor core had driven them mad. Are, well, I mean, when you say sentient, is that are they saying that because they have this virus, or are all droids sentient? Well, they they call this I five YQ out specifically for being sentient, so that means that this droid is an exception, perhaps. Yeah, that's what I'm not clear about because BBA is clearly gone feral. Yeah, he, he's he's murdering people. You know, from a from a an empire point of view, this robot is killing innocent people. Killing just military guys, you know, people that that are get, being saluted on, in the empire, you know what I mean, and getting good good loans and stuff, good home loans. If you're a stormtrooper, I imagine. <laughs> oh my God, droid rights movement. There's some wiki Wikipedia is really amazing, and mm. I just wish that they would have better introductory summaries to the articles. I looked on Wikipedia today, and, and I was kind of surprised I didn't find something. Hmm. Because the other thing I want to... You, you've talked about how there's too much stuff on there, but there's not enough stuff about galactic fashion designer Melanani. <laughs> I looked it up. That, that one mention of her in the book is the only... Men, no, no one elaborated? I was kind of surprised. There's no short story. Wow, 
and now it's not even canon anymore. Right. Melanani? Yeah, I can tell you, like, no, we can get back to Feral Droids. You want to finish talking about that? I just... No, I'm on Melanani now. Okay, there's a part where Leia is captured by good old Shizor, and he's got her the most expensive clothes in the galaxy, all in her size. Oh. And she's got even... Let's see what it says. There were clothes in the closet, all right. Unlike the rooms, they were all colors of the rainbow. Dresses, shirts, pants, jackets, jumpsuits. Leia removed a hanger upon which draped Diaphanius? Diaphanius. Diaphanius? That sounds like a word I've read before somewhere. Diaphanus? I'm sure it's a... Uh, uh, light, delicate, and translucent. Ooh, translucent. Shizor, that's classic Shizor. Oh, yeah. Dress of nearly transparent green material, so light <laughs> it weighed almost nothing to look at. She touched it. She was not someone who spent large amounts of money on clothing. But she knew quality when she saw it, even without the tag that confirmed it. This dress was a Melanani original, made of Lavetti moth fiber. For what it cost, you could buy a new land speeder. So that's... (laughs) I love this. I know. it's it's, Do you think this is a fashion designer that's only popular in the Empire? Or is this across the universe? Or do the Jawas, did she design their little robes, you know? Yeah, I mean, Leia's a cultured woman. She's a senator, she's royalty. Right. She travels back and forth between Alderaan and Coruscant all the time. Right. So she she knows a tag. It's interesting that there's tags I know, on right? the clothes in Star Wars. Right. <laughs> so that means Han's vest has a tag in it somewhere. Right. Does Han Solo's vest have a couple little spare buttons stapled to it? It totally does. <laughs> It says made on Dago- Dagobah or yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's. It made me think. If, I wonder if she works for the Empire. Is she de- is she designing the outfits, the the military outfits? Like how who what's it? Who's the guy that designed the Third Reich? Outfits? Uh, uh, was it Hugo Boss? Yeah. Or I think so. Yeah. Who who maybe his that still a very respected design company. But maybe had a little bit of a, a dark a dark time for their their uh, designing days. Yeah. So that means somewhat. Yeah, that's weird that that someone. Uh, I mean, were they just buying stuff in bulk at the surplus store? Were they at the oh. Army Navy surplus yeah. buying vests, weird white round helmets, right? Uh, gray pants and gray shirts for oh. those guys. Those boots. Those knee length boots. Well, what's interesting is, would you even need, would the Empire even use a, a prestigious designer like Melanani? Because we saw in Episode 8 that there's droids that iron outfits. So yeah. Spaceballs moment. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so it, it stands to reason that there are droids that just cut out clothing and sew them, like really kick-ass sentient sewing machines. Yeah. So you wouldn't even technically really need a designer if you had a pretty smart droid, like a droid yeah. sewing machine. So they just download the blueprint for Rebel Navy vest. Well, and then droids enough, make them. They yeah. can just do it. Like, so they don't have to go to the garment. I mean, if Coruscant has a factory district, it must have a garment district. Right. But maybe that's only where you get your fancy, like, Bespin Lando clothes. Right. And your, your military stuff is just mass produced by droids. That mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, so... Yeah, there's a lot of questions that, like, is this is all, is this canon, you know? Yeah. I, I know there's a lot of stuff about, like, the Rebels getting the contract with the company that builds the X-Wings, and that was a big <laughs> win for them. Like, well, like you know, like, we can we convinced Lockheed to make X-Wings for us. Right, and it goes in a little bit into that in, in Episode 8 as well, as DJ points out when he yeah. steals that ship. And yeah. all the rich people at the, on the casino planet on Canto Bight, like, they're, they got deals, man. So, um, not again, I was complaining that these articles are too long. Only one paragraph for sentience programming on Wikipedia. Sentience programming allowed a droid to think, feel, and value its own life. Such programming was gifted to IG-88, who continued to give it to other droids that he recruited into his army. This programming was the reason why droid rights sympathizers tried to free them from their forced servitude and was the highest level of autonomy a droid could attain. So C-3PO, R2, BB-8, and pretty much every droid we've seen must have that. Hmm. That's interesting. Definitely the ones in the movies, because they're doing a lot. They're making a lot of decisions on their own. And this is only mentioned in Therefore I Am, the tale of IG-88, which is in Tales of the Bounty Hunters. I'm buying that. 
Yeah. Cool. T- Tales of the Bounty Hunters, Tales from Jabba's Palace, and Tales from the Moss Eisley Canteen are all really good. Okay. Or they were really good when I was 14. Well, I'm, or whatever. I'm gonna. I'm still. <laughs> I know this book. This book. I'm a little disappointed by this book, but it's still pretty fun. This author really got Lando really well. Oh yeah, Lando's in this a bunch. It made me really appreciate him more. And it was written by Steve Perry. Right. So Journey's canon. Journey is canon in in the Star Wars universe. IG88 is a cool looking robot. And he's so scary in that game. He is scary. And he he's just kind of scary looking in general. He reminds me a lot of the Terminator. After Arnold's skin gets burned off, yeah, and it's 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 more abstract. It's not just a straight up silver human skeleton, but it's got a very skeletal like quality. And then it has that tall head that has like a vaguely military hat on top of it, <laughs> and he can. And in that game, he can jump. Oh yeah, he's hard. Oh, he hard. can jump. He's, he's hard to kill. really hard. <laughs> uh, Skippy the Jedi droid. <laughs> Skippy. It was featured in Star Wars Tales number one, written by Peter David, which was part of the Dark Horse comic book line. Because uh, Dark Horse Comics had the rights to the comics Star for Wars years. For, for years. Yeah. Uh, non-canon. I think a lot of the really goofy stuff I'm going to be talking about, too, uh, was written sort of tongue-in-cheek. Okay. So, so I'm, I'm kind of making fun of some of this really out-there stuff, but I think they knew when they were doing it that it was out there. So that is R5-D4, the droid that had a bad motivator that blew up. Right. Um, plot summary, Obi-Wan Kenobi leaves a cantina sensing the force in someone, but no matter how hard he looked, he wasn't able to find anyone, despite his great ability. Suddenly, an astromech droid serving drinks at Jabba's palace is bumped into by Boba Fett, spilling one of the drinks from his tray, but before it can hit the ground, the droid is able to reach out with his mind and turn the drink back <laughs> in its upright position and serve it to Jabba the Hutt. Nobody <laughs> noticed what had happened. <laughs> is, is, this, is a diff- this is not the same one, though, is it? This is the one. This is the it's red the droid that blows up. Yeah. This okay. Artunian has a bad motivator. Right. I just thought that was just the model. So he used uh, Jedi mind tricks to persuade the Gamorrean guards to let him to leave. Wandered the desert for days, was picked up by the Sandcrawler, where he had visions of Darth Vader and Princess Leia. <laughs> what? Met R2 and C-3PO. Skippy immediately sensed the Force in Luke and persuaded Owen to choose him. Skippy was ecstatic, ecstatic at the undoubtable destiny that lay before him and Luke. However, R5 soon envisioned that without Luke, stormtroopers would come and take R2 back to Vader, where it would be destroyed. So he... Knew what he had to do, set off a mild explosion inside himself. Wow. To allow R2-D2. That's crazy. So that, crazy that is a droid story. with the force. So how does that work, man? Because all the speeches in, in the Star Wars movies, it's metachlorians. You want to believe in that stuff. Yeah. Or they kind of had a more elegant way of putting it in The Last Jedi, where it was kind of life force and everything around us in life. How does that interact? Like, how does that, how do computers come into that? Yeah. Like, what, what is the force? Is it the original? Because I guess ore originally comes from, all these precious metals and ore come from a planet originally. Yeah. So they're part of nature in a weird, removed way. Yeah, I mean, I guess every, if the force surrounds, well, I, I think Obi-Wan specifically says every living thing. Yeah. But then how do you define living? Because, like, crystals, they, they grow. Right. Rocks form. What is life? Cells? Yeah. Probably. Cells. Probably it has to have cells, but I don't know. I'm just, gosh, that's, what a crazy story. That's tripping me out almost. And, I'm, and Peter David wrote that? Yeah. Now, next week, I'm going to have an update to this guy's story because I'm currently reading a book called From a Certain Point of View, which just came out. It's 40 short stories that, that take you from the beginning, essentially takes you from the end of Rogue One to the end of Star Wars. In order? Yeah. The stories are in order? Yeah. Oh, wow. So it's 40 short stories um, highlighting the background characters with one line. Or even characters you don't ever see. But like like the last story I read was about a Jawa on the Sandcrawler. I almost cried. <laughs> the, the first story is about the guy that got strangled. We're on a diplomatic mission <laughs> to, to consular ship. That's very sad. Really wow. kicks off with a bang where you're like very, very sad. Wow. Um, I didn't know what to expect. I thought they'd be yeah. funny or something. I haven't started it yet. Some of them are funny. They're either pretty funny or very sad so far. I've only read four of them. Oh, wow. Okay. So, and then the next one's about the guy that um, shoots Leia with a stun gun. 
okay. and says, she'll be all right. <laughs> and then one about the guy that said, hold your fire. No life forms aboard. Must have short circuited. Wow. That's, oh, I'm excited. I wanted to watch A New Hope before I, I read it. I want to get fresh oh, that's on, a good idea. on looking at the background characters. Yeah. And so I've been meaning to, to do that before I be, uh, started it. But yeah, so there's a story. I think the the next one I have to read is about a Tuscan Raider, and then the next one's about R five D four. So recanonized. So I always thought as a kid, maybe this is wrong, but I always assumed that C three PO and R two D two and R five D four. I thought that was a model number. So I thought that every oh. I thought every droid that looked like R two D two was called R two D two, because they. I thought that was like that's what I always thought. I don't know if that's wrong or... Well, maybe, I mean, we never see another droid that looks like R2-D2. We see ones that are shaped the same but painted different. Right, and I just assumed that was, a like, last year's model. That was, like, the year before they were yellow, you know? Just like an iPhone or something. That, you know, that makes sense. So, I, so when I asked, like, is it the same R5-D4, I just assumed that was the model of that droid. Oh, I see. I see. Because, I mean, I, I, it, you have to have an astromech droid to fly an X-Wing. And so every X-Wing is not called a different thing, you know, it's a... Yeah, and then why would there be one astromech droid who has kind of a squarish head and one that has a round head and is blue? Unless he was for an older model X-Wing or whatever, right? Right, yeah, we never see another blue R2-D2. But they, I bet they're out there, and they're also called R2-D2. Yeah, they would have to be mass-produced. Yeah, like Super Outback. What's in all the other X-Wings? They, they don't, I, I assume they all had a little astromech droid. They must, yeah, they have to. We never see any of those. We see a bunch of R2 units in Phantom Menace mm-hmm. when they're going out to fix the ship and they all get blown away except R2, but they're all different colors. Right. And that could just be like when you get a new car, you choose, do you want like like gun gun gray or, or yeah. like Lake, salmon or whatever? Yeah, Lake Placid Blue. Yeah, and they, they chose Ultramarine <laughs> for, for R2-D2. Yeah. And, then, and we see other C-3PO's. Like there, there. I think there's a white one in Bespin. Right? There's there's a white one on Hoth. Is it Hoth? And then in that very first scene, right behind him is a like a silver one. Right. And so I imagine that those are just different models. Like and those, I just assumed were the different price points. Like you're yeah. Getting, like if you want C3PO, he's the gold one. So he, he's going to be the most expensive. Yeah. He speaks bocce. Right. And if you want to for two hundred dollars less or credits or whatever they have, you can get a silver one. And then the white one is the plastic base model. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. The white one is definitely made out of PVC, <laughs> um, but not, it's good. Not good waterproof. for yeah, good for snowy environments. Right. I guess it has to be waterproof. Or oh yeah. Good with cold temperatures because the metal parts don't freeze. It's plastic. Yeah. So, I don't know. I guess someone, if anyone knows the answer to this, if that's their actual names or if that's their model number. Well, I mean, we yeah, we we decide. Oh, we just, That's true. Don't yeah. bother writing in. Yeah. I'd say I say it's a model number. Yeah, I'm going with that. Because there's got—I mean, the galaxy's so big. There's so many, there are trillions of sentient beings out there. They must be everywhere. Yeah, and how many ships must the Rebel Alliance have? Well, you just think about when all the different aliens see R2D2. None of them think he's a person or something. Like he's recognizable as like, oh, this is what this thing is. Yeah. Like no, because if you were a lizard on some weird planet, you saw R2D2, you might think he was the leader. You wouldn't just assume. Unless they're so, unless it's every single planet has iPhones, right? Yeah, it's got to be something like that. They're both, they're both really outdated models too. By the time Luke gets them, they are at least thirty years old. Right. But the universe is so big; it must be hard to get like shipping newer models. It probably takes a yeah. long time for. Well, those moisture farmers are poor, so they're. Mm-hmm. Although C three PO introduces himself by saying, "I am C three PO," not "I am a C three PO." And, and Luke calls him an R2 unit. Right. Maybe D2 is his name. So R2 is the model D. Because, yeah, that's the, the ones on Naboo were like R2, D4 and all that, all that stuff. Yeah, that could be. Hmm. Well, we'll have to look deeper into this. But it just it, The more you look into droids, the more questions you, you pop up. You get no answers. You get more questions. Yeah. So, um... So famously, all the Star Wars movies open with a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Do you want to know how long ago that was? Yeah, I do. I was, I was thinking 90 years. Yeah, it's about 200. Is it 200? It's about 200, maybe 210. Okay. 
Uh, Into the Great Unknown is a 10-page comic story. Is that 210 from 1977? Oh, well, yeah, no, it's probably less than. So it's about 100 and, let's see, 1977. Say it's it's no more than a hundred and sixty-five, maybe hundred and seventy. Okay. Yeah. No more than 170 years prior to 1977. So uh So that means that when this was happening, George Washington was alive. Yeah. While this is all happening. Yeah. John At- like all of the founding fathers of the US are are alive at the same time as Luke Skywalker. Yeah. So we must have been a very primitive culture. If if they had somehow observed us at that time, mm-hmm. we're still primitive, a primitive culture. We're yeah, like we're sure. like one of those islands, like <laughs> in the Star Wars land. You know how now you'll read about like, oh, there's an island in the Indian Ocean that uh, has never had outside contact, and they right. have bows and arrows, and mm-hmm. we went there with a helicopter, and they shot arrows at us. Right. So that's what they're like with us. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like, this is this planet, and th- these people are so dumb. They've never had any outside contact. <laughs> They're so primitive. The they Tus- see us like and they, Raiders, they, they see us and they take, they try to just take pictures of us with the lens cap on. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, I've never, when I think a long time ago, I didn't realize that there was some American heroes live at the same time. Yeah. So, oh boy, that wouldn't that be fun. George Washington accidentally gets transported and meets Jimmy Smith's. Yes. How cool and, he, and he's like, you should attack them on Christmas Eve. Oh, or... And Jimmy Smith says, what are you talking about? Yeah, here's a short story for you. The rebellion comes to recruit some founding fathers for the rebellion. And then... So maybe that's what actually happened A certain, you know, George Washington died attacking the Death Star. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, the guys that died. Uh, John Lawrence. Then they rap about it. Space mm-hmm. rap. It's called Space Rap the Movie. <laughs> Yo, what's this Death Star? I'm gonna go far. I was a founding father, now I'm in outer space. Right. Lin-Manuel, check it out, man. Mm-hmm. So this story uh, clearly has been canceled out by episode seven. Oh. The Force Awakens. So this is not canon. Han Solo and Chewbacca pilot the Millennium Falcon uh, blindly into hyperspace. They're trying to escape a... Uh, I don't know, some bad guys. They, they, they run afoul of an Imperial fleet after leaving the planet Hovan 99. As they evade a Star Destroyer and several TIE fighters, Solo takes the Millennium Falcon blindly into hyperspace rather than taking the time to calculate the jump coordinates. They go right through a moon. There's all kinds of things that can happen. Right. That's crazy. It's going to end your trip real quick. Right. The ship emerges in an unfamiliar system that contains several planets and moons, and they land on a blue world after detecting life on it. Oh, no. <laughs> The ship's rear repulsor lift controls give out on their way into the planet's atmosphere, causing it to crash in a forest that reminds Solo of the moon of Endor. As they search for a settlement, Solo and Chewbacca are attacked by a group of dark-skinned humans who wield spears, bows, and axes. <laughs> Chewbacca fights them off with his bowcaster and his own strength, but Solo is struck by several arrows and bleeds to death. To death? That's how Han Solo dies? Anticipating that he will not survive, he asks Chewie to return him to the Millennium Falcon, where he passes away in the captain's chair. He wants to die in the chair. Well, sign his cat. He knows he's going to die, so die. You know, he's okay, he's the pilot. He's Captain Solo. Yeah, he does love the Millennium Falcon. One hundred and twenty-six years later, three humans make their way through the same forest in search of a legendary monster that has been sighted in the oh, area. Oh, this is great. <laughs> A certain big foot. Is, is, do do Wookiees live hundreds of years? Apparently. Wow. One of those humans is a an Asian-born fellow named Shorty, <laughs> and an archaeologist named Doctor Jones. Oh, amazing! Indiana Jones and the search for Bigfoot. Yep. Chewbacca watches from afar as they come across the Falcon, board the ship, and discover Solo's skeleton. The skeleton feels somehow familiar to Jones. Rather than continue his search for the monster, he decides to leave it as part of the great unknown. Why, what would he think of the Millennium Falcon in 1925 or whatever? I guess, what, when does Templa do? 30s? The thir- like yeah. 1935 or something? Yeah. Yeah, 34, I think. Can you imagine seeing a spaceship in 1935? There's nothing like that. He has seen some real weird shit, though. That's true. That's true. 
Yeah, like if anyone's going to be nonplussed by the Millennium Falcon. He hasn't quite seen a flying saucer yet, like in the Crystal Skull. That's still 20 years away. Which is also why he was so kind of uninterested in that. Right. And why he knew that they weren't aliens, but interdimensional beings. Right. So what? Chewbacca didn't bury Han Solo's skeleton. He left it to just decompose. That's his, I mean, the, the Falcon is his tomb. Do you know how to you know, so that's like, but that's like, uh, that's like an Egyptian being buried with a pharaoh, you know, being buried with all his worldly possessions. I get that, but I mean, Chewbacca didn't want to to seek shelter in the, the Millennium Falcon. He just went out and lived in the forest. I guess, I guess he's from a forest planet. But what's he been doing? Just, just wandering around, bumping around in the yeah. in uh, the Olympia National Park, quickly walking, <laughs> roasting, uh, little hedgehogs and gra- or groundhogs and stuff like porgs. so you can kind of connect everything yeah quick wait wait, wait. I, uh, sorry i missed that quickly walking right <laughs> yeah just quickly walking <laughs> quickly walking so you can't get a good shot it's not blurry <laughs> is what i was thinking <laughs> scurrying to and fro it's just walking and then when he sees a camera he glances at it but yeah, doesn't break his stride yeah, glances over quickly and keeps, <laughs> keeps walking fast oh my god so you could so that means that in Harry and the Hendersons, that's Chewbacca, maybe, in that movie? Yeah. So that means John Lithgow is in the Star Wars universe. He's canon. So Harry is just an aged Chewbacca yeah. who went bald. Okay, so they've always, we've always wondered. We've always wondered. Since 1977. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've wondered, do Wookiees go bald? They yeah. do, but around the face area, not on the top of their head like yeah. a person does. Right. They go bald on the face. Mm-hmm. Harry is chewy. John Lithgow is canon. Right. So Third Rock from the Sun. Mm-hmm. Canon. So the big giant head. Distant cousin of Prince Shizor. You're right. Very possible. Wow. We are solving a lot of things here I know, tonight. This is really, really, we're digging deep into the facts. I feel like this may be the most important Star Wars podcast ever recorded. I agree. Wow. I think it speaks for itself. Uh, what what else? You had anything else? Any more Star expanded expanded university stuff? Oh no. Okay, well I got more. You got more. Keep going then. Kalista Ming. All right. Was a Jedi ghost, which again weird, as we thought Qui Gon, Obi, Yoda, and Anakin were the only Force ghosts. Uh, Kalista Ming was a Jedi ghost who haunted a ship called the Eye of Palpatine. Wait, before you continue. Why do we think that? Just because they're the only ones in the movies we see? Well, that's kind of been the accepted canonical thing. Really? Yeah. Because I just assumed, I mean, we haven't seen the... Darth Maul's got to be walking around somewhere, right? And those guys. Well, I I believe in the Clone Wars series, um, it's explained that Qui-Gon somehow figured out how to be a Force ghost. And then he taught Yoda, who taught Obi-Wan. In fact, in Revenge of the Sith, Yoda says, like, I've been talking to... Your your old friend and Obi Wan was like Qui Gon, really? Yeah, I, I think. Am that. I imagining that? Maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm, it's in the Clone Wars. I don't know. Even if you imagined it, it's canon. Right. Everything we say is canon. Right. Remember Everything that. we say or think. <laughs> I swear that happened in the movie. If it didn't, it still did. Yeah. Exactly. So okay, continue with that. So that the Eye of Palpatine is the name of the ship. Yeah, the Eye of Palpatine, which I I wish instead was called Sheaves, <laughs> something. Right. Sheev's space. What would it be called? Sheev's ship. Yeah, it's just Sheev's ship. The ship of Sheev. The ship of Sheev. Yeah. There you go. Um. So so Kalista Ming is a Force ghost or Jedi ghost haunting the Eye of Palpatine. Um. So rather than just turning up anywhere like Ben Kenobi's ghost, she's specifically stuck in this place. Now this is after Return of the Jedi. Okay. Uh, Luke and his uh, apprentice, Padawan, Cray Mingla, uh, hopped on board, and then the ship roared into autopilot, threatening to destroy the very planet that Han, Leia, and Chewie were investigating at that moment. By flying into the planet? How's it going to destroy it? I don't know. Guns. Big guns. Big, okay. big, sheevy guns. Death Star technology. Yeah. I guess if it was Palpatine's ship, it's going to be a pretty... Heavy duty. It's going to be like the Dreadnought in the new movie. Yeah. Or no, do you remember uh, the Snoke's ship? It was like the biggest ship ever. Yeah. It was like a gigantic boomerang. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so it's it's like that. It's like the Death Star of a ship, I'm assuming. Okay. Uh, during their their time on the ship, uh, Luke and Kalisa the Ghost fall in love. <laughs> what series of events caused this to happen? Is it kind of like love? It's almost like that that ghost in Harry Potter that's in the bathroom that falls in love with Harry Potter immediately. <laughs> oh yeah. Like Luke went into the the bathroom and take a bath, and all of a sudden there's just a ghost next to him. Now this is so. This is 18 years after Yavin. So 18 years after Star Wars, Episode Four: New Hope. Because that's what they call the Death Star, the Battle of Yavin, right? Yeah, yeah. So so the way the time is Death Star. the way time is measured is BBY. Oh, okay. Or ABY. Yeah, BBY before Battle of Yavin. Oh, this yeah. So the the defining point of the the universe timeline is the destruction of the first first Death Star. Yeah. Okay. So the, oh no never mind she died forty four ABY so Luke is super old at this point. Yeah, he would be like seventy, wouldn't he? No, I guess how I guess he's a teenager in when Yavin happened. So he would only no he'd be about the age he is in in the Last Jedi. He'd be around sixty, I think, late fifties maybe. So she shed her physical... Wait, wait, wait. Okay, wait, wait, wait. I might be getting this all wrong. I might be getting this back. But don't worry. Even if you get it wrong, you get it right, remember? It's all, it's all canon once we say it. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm finding conflicting information from... Uh... The dark side of... Wikipedia. Oh, Kalista Ming, originally known as Kalista Masana. Okay. okay. I don't know why. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to go that far. Um, but she shed her physical body, remaining embedded in the ship's computer. Many years later, Luke and several other, other Jedi came onto the ship. So she died in 44 ABY. Uh-oh. Years later, Luke shows up. So Luke has got to be 80 or 90 by this point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 90-year-old Luke. So 90, 90-year-old Luke, obviously, when you know a, a ghost starts showing him some attention and they're in this confined space, you know, th- things are going to happen. I guess beggars can't be choosers. When you're 90, your dating pool is pretty, pretty small. Yeah, beggar. You're, you're practically a, a ghost yourself. Yeah, be- beggars canyon can't be choosers. <laughs> exactly. Or maybe, oh, do you think Luke, uh, because of his power with the Force, figured out a way to live a really long time and was just gradually turning into a Yoda? Oh God, I would. So he's that. he's 90 years old and he's about 10 percent because Yoda was so 900. Maybe, so maybe what you're saying is Yoda originally was a handsome young human. That's what I thought. When wow. I was a kid, because he says 900 years old, you get. So I just thought, oh, he's just 900 years old. That's what happens. He might not even be an alien. That's true. He could literally have looked like Han and, and Luke yeah. when he was 30 years old. And when you're that powerful with the Force. So we saw in Revenge of the Sith when Palpatine turned to the dark side and then accidentally, accidentally electrocuted his own face. <laughs> and then he turned into that weird alien-looking creature. He was just a dude. I've always been confused by that scene. Yeah. So It is so weird. It's not like he's burned or scarred. He just completely transformed into a weird alien demon-looking right, thing. Right, God, I love the idea that if you extend... Because I swear they say in the movies that the Force can extend your life, right? Don't they say that? Can't you slow down your aging or something? That's Darth Plagueis. It's unnatural. Right. Yeah. So so you just start getting older, and, and your skin starts getting pale, then a little greenish. Yeah, like Gollum. Gollum was a hobbit and before he was look, a Gollum. Yeah, exactly. Gollum is, looks nothing like a hobbit. Yeah. And then you, you think about when you see old people, the thing that's still gigantic is their ears. They yeah. Stop. Their ears are gi- By the time you're 90, your ears are so big. Yeah. They're like those bear clawed donuts. Those, <laughs> those like, they're gigantic. So, I mean, they could eventually start stretching out and getting Yoda length. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's, yeah. The, just as Darth Plagueis figured out how to extend life with the dark side, Yoda figured out how to do it with the light side. So, so at this point, <laughs> at this point, Luke is 10% Yoda. <laughs> Horrific. I can only. And the, I mean, gosh, that ghost. It must. I mean, it is Luke Skywalker. Do you think he's riding on his fame at this point, or do, is she really attracted to this this greenish old man well, shriveling away? Well, they fell in love. <laughs> so they fell in love so hard that Skywalker wanted. Uh, now, keep in mind, the ship is about to blow up Luke and or Han and Leia's planet. Okay. Maybe this is before it happened. Uh, Skywalker wanted to have his apprentice, Clay Mingla, who is a noted artificial intelligence programmer, create a human replica droid for this ghost to uh, to live in, to preserve okay. her spirit. 
as had been done to Mingo's own lover, Nikos Mar. This is kind of horrifying. However, uh, Kalista Ming, who at the time is called Kalista Masana, and Luke's apprentices, Clay Minga, Mingla. Okay. Kalista insisted that they destroy the automated craft, even at the cost of her own life. As Mingla and Kalista feared that Skywalker, 10% Yoda, would not be able to put an end <laughs> to the Eye of Palpatine. Mingla stunned Skywalker and transferred him to one of the landers. However, with guidance from Masana, Mingla, who wished to die and be reunited with her own dead lover, used the Force to misfire the inclusion grid. Just prior to the station's destruction, Masana transferred her spirit into Mingla's body. Wow. So Clay Mingla died. Kalista Masana transferred her spirit into Mingla's body and changed her name to Kalista Ming. This is a whole switcheroo. And her and Luke became lovers. Wow. That's that is a weird story. <laughs> right? Uh, I don't know. She's in a lot of stuff, so I don't specifically know what this all comes from. Planet hmm. of Twilight? Maybe Planet of Twilight. That sounds like a, okay. a good one. Yeah. She's in tons of things, this character. Okay. Um, so that's weird. That's very weird, but canon, I'd say, in my opinion. That, of everything we've talked about so far, I, I want that to be canon the most. Well, let's end it on the, the highest note possible. Okay. JJ. JJ? JJ Abrams? No. J, JJ Binks. <laughs> My, the, the, the linchpin of the whole entire universe. There's a quote. We Binkses have a tradition that goes back hundreds of years, sailing across the seas on voyages that somehow sometimes take us around the world. It's a quote from George R. Binks. Wow, uh, George. Yeah, George R. Binks is a whaler who lived on Naboo, owner of Binks and Son Whaling Company. <laughs> Continuing the profession that had been practiced by his ancestors for hundreds of years. Uh... Is this just a coincidence that, that this the name George is also on this planet? Like, that's an, a very kind of Earth, you know, name, very human name. George. Is it spelled weird? No, just George. Just George. It could be that, uh, though Dr. Jones decided to leave the Falcon alone, mm-hmm. maybe Shorty, being curious, went back and stole some data tapes found records of George R. Binks that somehow got back to Ma and Pa Lucas, okay. who named their son George. It's possible that... Uh, no, wait, we've already established this. Because George Washington got sucked oh, into Star yeah, Wars yeah. world. George Washington. So that's where the name George turned up in the Star Wars universe. Okay, that's, that <clears throat> makes total sense. Where yeah. Was. Okay. The timeline works out perfectly, because George Washington would have been involved before the prequels. Okay. So the name George came from the re- uh, hero George Washington. The revolutionary hero and the hero of the Battle of Yavin. Yes. Hero of the New Republic. Of the first Battle of Yavin. Right. There's another one. Oh, was there? Yeah, that's the one where they did the space wrapping. <laughs> Before the, the Death Star oh, one, yeah, yeah, yeah. there was another okay. one that was yeah. mostly about space rap. It was a rap battle. Okay. <laughs> he was, through an unhappy marriage, the father of Jar Jar Binks, who would go on to serve as the Chamel Sector's representative in the Galactic Senate. On a whaling voyage with his wife and son, George R. Binks encountered an aggressive whale. Thanks to numerous poor navigation choices by Jar Jar, the whale crashed into the ship, causing it to sink. The Binks family found themselves shipwrecked on a desolate island for over a month. What kind of ship is this? Uh, it looks like a sailboat. I mean, <clears throat> they could, they have futuristic stuff in, in, in Phantom Menace. Yeah, like, no, it's, oh, a, it's oh, a sailboat. It's like a pirate ship. Um, they can breathe underwater and stuff too, can't they? So this this is all from a short comic called George R. Binks, uh, which was published in Star Wars Tales twenty in June two thousand four. I don't I don't know. This is officially it's not canon. I want every Jar Jar comic and story. I got to read them all. Well, yeah, they can swim and breathe underwater. Yeah, why, do, why are they stranded on an island? And they they <clears throat> seem like they're a pretty pretty sophisticated city underwater. Do they? Like, why would they would they have submarines? Or 
they have a submarine that they loaned to Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. So I don't know why they're sailing around in a, in a pirate ship <laughs> looking for whales. So after a month on this island, uh, which George christened Binx's Woe, mm-hmm. he grew increasingly annoyed by his son's antics, so that when Jar Jar... Okay, so here we go. Jar Jar offered to swim for help. A suicidal task due to the treacherous seas and the distance involved, Binx encouraged the boy. <laughs> However, this attempt at getting Jar Jar killed was cut short when his wife intervened. Overcome with feelings, he drew a gun and turned it on himself. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is amazing. His wife tried to encourage him not to, but only ended up encouraging him into pulling the trigger by telling him to think of their son. This, this is a, com- a comic with the suicide in it? The shot merely grazed his skull, knocking him unconscious. When he woke a short while later, he lowered his head in sadness. Gosh, that's a dark, <clears throat> dark story. That's maybe the darkest Star Wars-related story that's ever been told. Right. Quite literally. Like, you think the Vader-Luke stuff... Yeah. Father, no. I want to talk about father-son troubles. Did, did, did Jar Jar, does Jar Jar know this? Did he witness this? He had to have witnessed this. So that he was struggling with his father, trying to stop him from shooting himself in the head. So concerned was George R. Binks with securing a male heir to the Binks name that he left the woman he loved because she was infertile. He finally received a son, Jar Jar. Jeez. That's me. Yeah, that's maybe the worst. Like, literally the worst. Like, it's that, and then it's Anakin killing the children. Yeah. But that's like 20 points behind this one. Yeah, this is this is making me look at Jar Jar a whole new way. But yeah, like just the tears of a clown, man. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. All his all his goofiness, all his little jokes. That's the height of a big darkness. So serious darkness. So basically every time the camera stopped rolling. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, George goes, "Cut." Ewan McGregor goes and 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 has a cigarette. Right. Natalie Portman goes and studies for Harvard or Yale or Oxford, wherever she went. Of course. Jar Jar just has to go be alone. Yeah. He's got to go off, be alone, and just and he's maybe, quiet. He's a completely different person when the cameras are off. And I, I picture him be, actually being difficult to work with. Like when, when the camera's on, he's on and being goofy and stuff. But as soon as it's cut, he's hard to deal with. He's, he's just causing troubles, doesn't get along with the, the other actors. That could be a big part of why he's in, barely in. Attack of the Clones, and it, and I don't even know if he's in Revenge of the Sith. I don't even think he has a line in Revenge of the Sith. And that could just because be... that's what it was. They call cut. Mm-hmm. You know, they're goofing off. Liam Neeson flubs a line. Ewan laughs, and then he gets he does like, and, a and Christian Jar- Bale thing. Yeah, yeah, and Jar Jar is just like, come on, can we can we just get this over with? Can you remember that. your lines? Yeah, he starts yelling at him. Yeah throws a bottle of water like after the 13th take and then ewan's grinning he's looking at the camera he's mugging and jar jar's like <sighs> like i thought you were a professional mm-hmm. and then they do just like war machine in the iron man movies oh they started to have didn't they have trouble with him and negotiating for money he wanted as much money as robert oh T- terrence howard yeah right. so they just so, replaced it with john don Cheadle. so it's the same thing i bet you by the time they were they were gonna do contracts for attack of the clones he wanted as much money as you and McGregor. He's been, yeah. he was holding out. Oh yeah. Finally, they're just like, you know what? We're just going to make the movie. We don't need yeah. Jar Jar, even though he is the linchpin of the whole story. Yeah. They had to completely rewrite it. It's mm-hmm. yeah. Like uh Crispin Glover refused to return for back to future Two. Right. It's the exact same thing as like, we're not going to have Jar Jar Binks back. He's just too hard to work with. He yeah. heard about his father, like, yeah. his past. It was like last minute. Trouble. So, I mean, George Lucas called his bluff and he's like, fine, I'm writing you out of this movie completely. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to take the salary I've offered you mm-hmm. and, and you could be in the movie or not. Right. You're getting zero or some money, but also I'm not going to have all these scenes with you. Well, they could have. That's why, you know, that's why that's also uh, Jake Lloyd. Right. That's why Jake Lloyd did come back for Attack of the Clones. Because he did. He refused to work with Jar Jar. Yeah. Well, I don't blame him. And Lucas was like, look, I know, I get it. He's difficult, but we've invested so much money into the Jar Jar brand. Right. We've got so much Jar Jar merchandise out there. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I can very easily set the next movie about 10 years ahead and get a, a different actor. Yeah. But I can't just ditch Jar Jar right. completely. But I can cut his lines significantly. It explains a lot about why the, the prequels are such a mess. They had to try to rewrite the whole thing. Yeah. And change the story. Because Jar Jar was so difficult to work with. But which, Frank, I mean, God, after reading that life, though, you know, it's tough. I know. Where do you come down on? 
what do you think he's doing right now? Well, yeah, also, he has not worked since. He hasn't worked since. He's probably just in a bar right now, drinking himself to death. I've heard Hayden Christensen, like, lives on a farm in rural Canada. Jake Lloyd has also retired. Well, he... he I mean, these movies are cursed, you know? They are cursed. Jake Lloyd's retired. Hayden Christensen's retired. Where's Jar Jar? Does he ever try to call them? I bet he does. Probably when he gets real drunk. Gets real drunk. two in the morning. The caller ID says, Binks. (laughs) And Hayden goes, oh, man. And, and, and Hayden's girlfriend is like, just, just don't answer. And he's like, I can't just I not can't, answer. Man. Jar Jar, he just, you know Jar Jar. He, just, he, yeah. needs, he needs somebody in his life. He's alienated everyone else. And Jar Jar's like, hey, I'm, I'm going to be in town. Like, it'd be really cool if I could like, save some money and crash on your place. And Hayden's like, looking at his girlfriend. She's like, yeah. she's like no, no. Like, oh, you know what? No. We're, uh, we're, we're traveling. Or we're gonna, no, we're not going to be here. Oh, and, and then Jar Jar's like, oh, well, just leave me the keys. That's even better. Yeah. And he's like, oh, actually, my, my brother's already going to be staying with us, and he's allergic to amphibians. Right. Hmm. So, I mean, it's great to, 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 to hear from you, man. I mean, we, got, we should get together sometime. You sound good. You sound it's good, just, man. It's just been so busy. You know, I'm just, yeah. you know how it is. Oh, man, work, you know how it is working on a farm? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, you know what? Uh, I, I did talk to George, and he asked to... Oh, no, George Lucas, not your father. Sorry. Oh. Not, sorry. Not, not the founding father. Yeah. Your yeah. Father. Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, Lee, hey, oh, man, you seen that? What Liam's doing? Oh, but Liam's in a movie movies. where he gets in a fist fight with a train. How about that? <laughs> oh, boy. Well, well, look, Jar Jar, it's great to hear from you. I, I got to get going. I, I mean, I, was, I start, started to talk and run, but we got reservations at the at the late night uh, restaurant. Yeah, it's uh, it's a uh, uh, Thai uh, soul food fusion. Yeah, so, so I mean, I mean, I yeah, I don't think you'd like it. No, I mean, it's just a, kind of not your, <laughs> not your thing, you know. Uh, well, may the force be with you, man, and just you know take care of yourself. 